Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the acclaimed movie All of Us Strangers, starring Paul Mescal and Andrew Scott. Stream the new Hulu original limited series, We Were the Lucky Ones, with Joey King and Logan Lerman. And don't forget about Grey's Anatomy. Every Grey's episode ever is now streaming on Hulu. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu. Welcome to the World in Sport. I'm Vinnie Wiley. This week, the rugby community mourns the death of Sionet Loaki. Tongan skier Kasete Skeen prepares for the World Champs. Samoa's softballers risk missing their trip to the World Champs. And we speak to the new Samoa netball coach, Francis Solia. But first, the Fiji Rugby Union has started offering contracts to their Olympic champion seven squad. The previous arrangement expired after the Rio Games in August, with players only receiving minimal match payments and a daily allowance since the start of the new World Series in December. Reports in Australia have linked gold medal winning trio Masavesi Dakuwanga, Jerry Tuwai and Yasavirat Malua with a switch to rugby league. Head coach Gareth Baber says they're doing everything they can to keep their best players in Fiji. I don't think we can deny that, and, uh, that there's going to be interest for those sorts of quality players around the world, be it in Australia or be it in the Northern Hemisphere. Uh, the reality at the moment is that uh, uh, two of them have, uh, have been offered contracts and the third one will be as well. Um, that's what we're trying to do here is provide security in terms of contracts here in Fiji. Uh, there's a reality always that, that, that you know anybody can come in and, and look at uh, poaching players if they want to do that. Um, but you know, we want them here. We want them to play for Fiji. The proud Fiji players. They've won Olympic goals, and the reality is that you know, we need that sort of quality moving forward. One to to stabilise performance and deliver performance, but also to help the younger players learn what it means to be on HSBC series and what levels they have to play at. So, you know, I can't do a lot about what happens around the world, and we can't do much about that as a Fiji rugby union. It's the same in all sports. But the reality is, is that you know we're trying our best to put things together for the players which provide their families and themselves security um, and, and an avenue by which they can focus and concentrate on the sport they love and, and they're, the, they're the best at in the world so um, you know that's that's what we're trying to do here what happens outside externally I can't do much about so um, all I can look after is the players here When you say contracts have been offered to two and the third one will be offered a contract you mean by Fiji Rugby Union? Does that mean if some contracts are being offered that all of the players that you so wish to offer a contract would be in line for an offer at some point in the near future? Yes, yeah, so we've staged the contracts uh, in terms of we've, we've, hand, we've given that some out uh, initially, uh, certainly to the boys that uh, went and represented uh, Fiji and Wellington Sydney. Um, uh, we're looking at, obviously, contracting more now uh, coming into the next two legs. Um, so, yeah, hopefully uh, in the next few weeks we'll be in a position to say that you know we've got the squad contracted uh, for sort of the HSBC series and the rest of this year. So have any signed on the dotted line yet? No. So just a number of the players, the, the Fiji, sorry, the Wellington yeah. and so, Sydney players have yeah. contracts so in front of basically, them? There's basically, obviously, the players have been handed the contracts, them having a chance to look over them and review them. Uh, they then have obviously had conversations with the Fiji Rugby Union in relation to those contracts, uh, and we're hopeful that we'll, uh, we'll get some sort of uh, resolution on that in the, in the near future. And uh, when those players do sign contracts, that would mean that um, for obviously the length of that contract, they wouldn't then be able to be poached, so to speak, uh, by an NRL club, by an overseas rugby club. 
Well, I can't say what a what a contract or what what a club would want to do to break somebody's contract. I mean, you do hear it. You're in football and different sports all the time. But um, no, they will be under contract here at the Fiji Rugby Union. Okay, and and I guess there'd be some uh, hope, uh, some optimism that uh, a number of those would be signed and confirmed prior to Vegas. Yes, yes. That's the Fiji Sevens coach Gareth Baber. Rugby communities in Tonga and New Zealand are reeling from the sudden death of the former All Black Sione Loaki at just 35 years of age. The Tongan-born athlete played 17 times for New Zealand and three tests for the Pacific Islanders. He died in Auckland on Sunday from what's understood to be kidney and heart failure. His coach at the Chiefs, Ian Foster, is now the All Blacks' assistant coach and he told Ben Robinson-Drawbridge that news of Loaki's death came as a shock. We all knew he'd been fighting illness for a significant amount of time, a few years, but I wasn't quite aware how serious that was. So, you know, tragic news and very sad. When you first picked him to play for the Chiefs, what were your first impressions of him as a player? It was my first year with the Chiefs, and we had a lot of sort of good, honest rugby players, but we didn't have a lot of players that could bust games open, and so we drafted Sione down specifically for that re- reason, and... Um, and he certainly did that. You know, he was he was a powerful, you know, skillful rugby player. He probably wasn't famous for his for his fitness or his work rate, but what he did give us is a, a whole lot of little magical moments, which uh, really helped lift us. And you know, particularly that year to the to the playoffs for the first time. So he was a key part of that. Would you agree that he instilled fear in the opposition? You know, he, he, I mean, he had a physicality about him that was quite hard to contain, which just making, you know, his biggest challenge was putting that consistently on the park. But, you know, when he did, he was almost unstoppable. And I, I think, you know, most Chiefs fans particularly, and I, to a lesser extent some All Black fans, have all got memories of some big things that he's done in games that have really influenced it. And, and I guess that's what really got him up and motivated him, but... You know, key man in our team. You know, the boys loved him. He was an infectious laugh. He he, he was cheeky, mischievous, but at the same time, he he uh, he gave everything for the team. So, for younger players who grew up watching Sioni, what what do you think he taught them? Well, certainly a lot on the skill side, and um, you know, like he opened guys' eyes to some things that they could do with his offload. And and for a big man, he he had great feet and could sidestep and do that sort of stuff and also you know I think the the, the team saw someone that, that really you know probably struggled with the, the training side it didn't come naturally to him and then he found it hard he always used to come in pre-season overweight and Nick Gill's main job was to try to get him fit for the next two or three months so he you know the team saw him battle so they, they knew things didn't come easy for him but he, uh, he lifted them and in, in big moments under pressure. I certainly know that when he started to speak, uh, the guys were pretty keen to follow him. Ian Foster speaking with Ben Robinson-Drawbridge. Tongan skier Kasete Skeen will take another big step in his quest to reach the 2018 Winter Olympics when he lines up in the giant slalom qualifying race at the World Alpine Ski Champs in St Moritz. The 34-year-old was born and raised in London, but his father's family are from Vavau and Tongatapu. His World Championship debut is on Thursday, and Skeen says it's all about improvement. I think it's still early days, obviously. Every every day is another step on the way, basically. You know, I'm not breaking records yet, but every race I've done so far, I've been improving and getting stronger. So the main thing is just to focus on my performance, keep on improving, and 
keep on bringing my clients down. Are you meeting your initial expectations at this point? Are you satisfied or are you you believe you should be doing better or you surprised yourself maybe or I think I'm I'm where I might expect to be. You know, I, I always want to do better. That's kind of part of, of, of the reason why I'm sort of doing this and also why I'm 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 improving. So yeah, I don't think I'll ever not want to do better. <laughs> and uh, in terms of who you'll be coming up against in uh, St. Moritz, uh, ha- have you raced against any of these competitors before? There was one guy who was due to race in one of my races, Mexican ski race called Hubertus, who is uh, a bit of a legend in, in the alpine skiing world. But unfortunately, he, he ended up not making the race. So I'm, I'm hoping to meet him in Samarit. He was Mexico's first alpine skier, and he subsequently skied for, I think it's 15 or 16 world championships. So, uh, yeah, it could be someone's brain to pick. When we spoke last time, you talked about wanting, uh, needing that threshold of 140 points uh, to achieve your goal of qualifying for the Winter Olympics. Um, uh, where do you sort of sit in that regard, and are you able to pick up some of those points at the World Champs? So basically in alpine ski racing, it works as a kind of lower points are better. Um, so obviously with my first couple of races, I've made some points and they're starting to come down, so that's pretty good, and I just need to keep it improving. I've got a little bit of a way to go yet, but um, I feel confident that I can make make the grade. Because it's the two best results that they ultimately take, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. So at the moment, I still need to register two more race finishes. It's going to be still a while yet before I make my, my target, and hopefully I'll be looking to do that this coming winter in New Zealand. And uh, we've talked about the growing Tongan contingent uh, in the winter sports and uh, aiming to make those Winter Olympics. Uh, Obviously, um, you know, Peter has has joined as well with the skis and uh, he seems to be wanting to try everything, that man. Uh, You've obviously got quite a few now. Uh, How how many of you are competing in St. Moritz? It's only me at St. Moritz um, because it's the Alpine uh, ski team and then there are two skiers, Peter and Makaleka, who are competing at Lati, which is the cross-country championships, a couple of weeks later. So I'll be wishing them well for that. It's been a few months since we last spoke and... You know, obviously there's been a bit of exposure and, and you guys are pushing your causes as well. Uh, what sort of reception do you feel like you're getting? Uh, it's been really positive and in many ways the kind of support that I've received personally has also come as a surprise, you know, starting from the bottom and working my way up really. You don't necessarily expect to receive that much support. Uh, but at my last race, for example, in Sazaram, I had a, a, a group of young guys who were also racing and were asking me about what I was doing and waiting for me at the end to, to cheer me across the finish line. So that's been really touching, um, especially if I spend a lot of time training um, more or less on my own, just me and Herman. So then when you kind of break out of that bubble and find that people willing you on to do well, then it's it's really cool. And uh, while you're training in Italy and, and over, you know, heading to Switzerland, uh, friends and family... Um, Anyone going to come over and watch you? Uh, how, how often do you get to see them? Not often enough, really. My girlfriend, Anna, is coming out to see me in Switzerland. And then uh, normally I, I have your friend or my mum came out a couple of weeks ago to see me here in Adafiemi. So we had a nice time down in the valley and, yeah, enjoyed some of the sights. That's Tongan skier Cassetti Skeen. Samoa is fighting an uphill battle to raise enough funds to compete at this year's World Softball Championships in Canada. The Tanifa finished 7th at the 2013 World Champs in Auckland, 
but failed to qualify for the 2015 event in Saskatoon. They've just spent five days competing in the inaugural Challenge Cup in Auckland against five of the top eight-ranked nations in the world. But player coach Dwayne Gerrard says they may be forced to sit out the upcoming World Championships in July. We're looking at a price tag of about 70k, you know, which is a lot of money. And, um, you know, talking with the boys, it's all about saving our pennies and paying for everything ourselves. So, you know, we're out here, we're hoping that people can see us play and see the enthusiasm that we bring to the game so that we can get some sponsors on board. Some of the guys are um, 16 and 17, plus the older fellows have got families and stuff like this, so it's going to be a, a massive ask to find all that money ourselves, plus the time away from work as well. It's, it's going to be a tough one. Obviously, sponsors help ease the financial burden. Otherwise, yep. uh, you know, certainly some of the money, regardless, is going to come out of the own players' pockets. Um, but are you definitely going? Is Samo definitely going? It's just a case of how much support and sponsorship you can get, or is it's still not a definite that you'll be there? It's not a definite by any means. A 16, 17-year-old trying to find $7,000 to go to a tournament is a massive ask. Massive. And so what sort of deadline or do you put on yourself? When do you have to uh, know you've got enough money or, or know you've got enough time to sort of raise some funds uh, to get you there? At this stage, we'd probably have to say we're not going to make it and we're going to have to target the next one. It's, it's pretty much like that, and that's the way it has to be. If, because you have to go over with a lot of organisation and, and stuff like that, and if money's an issue to start with, well, we're not going to go much further, if you know what I mean. Have there been any inquiries to like the Samoa government or any other sort of uh, avenues like that? From what I understand, there's always talks between people, but I don't know too much about that side of um, things. Um, I took over uh, this year basically with sort of two weeks to go and it was a matter of someone's just got to put their hand up and say I'll do it just so that everything else is taken care of if you know what I mean. Pretty gruelling 11 games in five days but uh, I imagine you don't get too many opportunities to play these sorts of tournaments and these sorts of teams uh, that often. Oh absolutely like regardless of no pitching uh, lack of players anything we're going to it because it's the only opportunity someone gets to um, put something together you know. A couple of guys drove up from Wellington on um, Tuesday night we met Tuesday night, had a dinner and a briefing, and we were playing the next day. What have you learned about this team? They've got a lot of um, heart, a lot of pride. We lost one game 18-0. Um, I had to come in and pitch just to finish the game off, just to give my pitchers a breather. It doesn't phase them in any way, you know. That It is what it is. They they have to take it with a grain of salt. So if it means losing a game like that and then coming out the next day and, and losing to Aussie 4-2... That's how we have to roll because without top quality pitching and games under our belt, we're always going to struggle. That's Samoa softball coach Dwayne Gerrard. Samoa netball coach Francis Solia says the national team is in a redevelopment stage as they plan towards the 2019 World Cup. The former Samoan captain retired from playing in 2012 and spent the past two seasons as an assistant coach with the Central Pulse. She's been appointed Samoa head coach through to the World Cup in Liverpool and is looking forward to the challenge ahead. I applied for it like everyone else. I was never shoulder tap or none of that. It was a fair process and I applied and I'm just grateful that I've been given that opportunity to be the head coach. What did it mean to you playing for Samoa during your career? Yeah, I had really good memories because I think back in uh, when I was playing, we had a good development with our players. It wasn't as challenging as what we are at now but good times you know made lots of good friends and just kind of keen to get back into it now you know and bring it back to that kind of level that we were at and what sort of changes do you see in the setup now or even in international netball now 
I think the challenge uh, when I look now is back then, I don't know if you remember, with the franchise, back then you could play franchise and still represent, you know, your country if it wasn't New Zealand. But with the, the way the franchise system works is we would be classed as an international. So therefore, because we'd be classed as internationals, even though we've lived and played our netball here in New Zealand, you're not necessarily first choice to a franchise team. You know, they'd more than likely go to Aussie or England. And because of that, we've had a lot of girls haven't been able to play franchise or have been reluctant to represent our country because they know that if they do, they would not more than likely not be able to pick up a contract. Your predecessor, obviously, Marcia Hardcastle, I mean, when when Julian Naofu obviously, you know, put her name forward for Samoa, I mean, that is a pretty big commitment, pretty big sacrifice in terms of her hopes of getting a ANZ or a, a trans-Tasman deal. And, and yeah. As you say, yeah, that's, and that's that, a lot for someone to, to make that call. Yeah, you know, I was really, uh, I was like, whoa, Jules didn't, um, you know, because I knew Jules, knew what she was doing when she decided to play for Samoa, but each to their own, and she chose to do that, and good on her. Are, are those conversations that, that you, just in, in your previous roles, or um, that, you know, people have had with the likes of Netball New Zealand, etc., I mean, you know, yeah, we have a similar really situation clear. in rugby uh, as well. The message is clear, and everyone knows it, and people that don't know it, you know, I'll be like, how did you not know that rule? So, you know, the message has been communicated that this is the rule, we would be classed as an international or anyone who doesn't who represents another country, you know, regardless of where you live. I mean, regardless if you're based here. So think wisely about the decision you make. But I suppose the ongoing frustration as we look at, you know, what a massive influence Pacific Island players and have had on netball in New Zealand and some of of course have originally played for Pacific Nations and then made the switch over and strengthened Silver Ferns and, and yet it doesn't seem to be the other way around, you know, it, it doesn't seem like it would be that much of a, a sacrifice for Netball New Zealand to maybe offer a, you know, just to cut out that restriction and, and show that they're doing something to support Netball in the Pacific. I think it is what it is, eh? And everyone's just got to move on. Like, I've moved on and we just work with what we have and that's it, really, end of story. So now with the new role that you have with Samoa, looking up to that World Cup in 2019, uh, what, what sort of options do you have for the squad? Have you had a chance to... Uh, meet any players yet or have you got a camp coming up or what's on the horizon? None whatsoever so what I have done is put uh, you know a brief plan together so I'm going to go over in uh, April and I'm going to do some work with just the local players so I can see because I have no idea um, of the talent back home in Samoa so I just want to make it closed for them spend some time with the girls and do some testing, uh, some basic skills and drills so I can get a good idea. Um, and then in July, we will open the trial up to anyone who was interested to play for Samoa. So all those players from overseas will come and trial. You know, looking ahead to the future, the 21s have got the World Youths coming up too, don't they? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, I've been in touch with the under-21s coach just to see what talent she's got there. And so we've been emailing each other quite a few times, so we're both on the same page because that under-21 team would be... I'd be surprised if we didn't select anyone from that team. So there should be some players that are able to transition from that 21s environment into the real international stage with the national team. The last time I sort of dealt, I guess, closely with Samoa was at the World Cup when obviously they, they made the top 10 there, which was their aim. Um, you would have been looking on from afar at that tournament with interest. What have you made of uh, where, where the team is at at the moment? We are at a redeveloping phase um, stage at the moment, so not sure who's going to come back. And again, it's uh, 
we're not doing any shoulder tapering or anything. We're just pretty much putting it out there. Come trial if you want to. If you want to. So we'll see because, you know, a lot of people come in and out and that's one of the challenges we have because everything is almost self-funded, you know. Um, it does take its toll and I kind of know who's going to come but I don't want to say anything out loud in case that, that doesn't happen. If you ask me again after July, then I'll have a, I'll be able to tell you exactly what we've got. But at this point in time, you know, you hear a lot of people talking that they're going to come trial or not trial, so you just have to wait for the day. That's Samoa netball coach Francis Solia, and that's the World in Sport for this week. I'm Vinnie Wiley. As always, thank you very much for listening.